This week on Ultra 64, we played Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. So if you want to start writing that Ultra 64 fan fiction now, there's clearly a market for it, you know, so so keep us posted in that. Welcome to Ultra 64, everybody. We are the Internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each week we are playing a new randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 catalog and we're playing it. Except this week, it's not randomly selected. It was selected by you, our wonderful listeners, in celebration of our 75th episode. Holy Hooray. shit. My name is Steve Guntley. I am intergalactic bounty hunter Woody Siskowski. You know, I'm so glad you got that gig. I know you were really pulling for it, and uh, you're well qualified. Yeah, my, the library clerk job really... Uh, it prepares went, you. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, how many times a day do you throw knives at uh, at patrons, and, the, and then they just the last second hold it up, and then there's like a Bible with a knife sticking out of it? All the time. I imagine that's your day most of the time yep, correct well as i said this week we are playing star wars shadows of the empire uh this is the second time we've delved into star wars we played uh episode one racer and i'm excited for this because it means we get to get away from episode one uh there yeah, are, I think that's true there are two episode one games on the n64 so there's the battle for naboo that we still have to play later which i think might mean i have to watch episode one again. no nothing means that steve Possibly. don't do that to yourself uh, i know it's rough but i don't know maybe uh, maybe we'll do it we'll see but but yeah we get to get away from Phantom Menace and actually we get to get away from Star Wars a little bit too like the main canon series we're going to talk about extended universe this is stuff its own today. thing or expanded universe I'm sorry expanded universe that's how they prefer you, it you've already received many angry letters yes yeah already somebody's just sharpening their pencils because yeah, Star Wars is always uh, a, mi- a minefield of corrections waiting to happen oh yeah and I'm sure I'm going to get stuff wrong on this and uh, I just don't care my, my, my level of knowledge in Star Wars is is it a major movie? Then I have seen it. Is yeah. it anything else? I have not seen it. That's, I yeah. I'm that's... mostly that's where I'm at these mm. days. Uh, I'll play most video games with Star Wars. I'll at least I, most of them are worth trying. Right. And that's what we were say. talking about yeah. earlier. Probably as a whole, um, you know, for as giant of a franchise as Star Wars is. It probably has one of, if not the best, batting average of any licensed property in terms of video game quality. It's really true, yeah. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm having trouble thinking of any, like, outright stinkers. Maybe that fighting game. I'm sure, yeah, the The, Masters of something or other. Terrace Kazi, yeah, Yeah, that's it. I'm sure... There's plenty of I'm sure there's plenty of bad Star Wars oh, games no that people don't remember. Sure. But yeah. it's one of the you know, it's one of the few franchises that has multiple games that are great on their own right by any standard as opposed to just great for being a licensed game. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Right. I mean, even Racer, which like none of us were crazy about, like it's not terrible. No, it's, it's not still like, a, it's a decent racing game it's in its own right. Game. And I'm sure if you were to play, I'm sure it's probably better than the Nickelodeon racing game. Probably. I don't know. Maybe yeah. Not, I can't imagine it wouldn't be. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, obviously with the franchise as huge as Star Wars, you get some really passionate, creative fans. And uh, a lot of people kind of took it upon themselves. We used to live in 
in a world where we didn't get a Star Wars every year. You know, and there was a, what was the lapse? It was 16 years between Jedi and Phantom Menace where there was nothing. Mm -hmm. So people took it upon themselves and kind of created their own fan fictions and their own television shows and universes and stuff like that. And it caught on and eventually was kind of codified by Lucasfilm and became like a whole big thing. Um, and it's not really a thing anymore, sadly. But I mean, we can uh, let's 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 dig well, into the extended. Yeah, universe. I guess that's the idea. Is once uh, you know, if Disney's going to pump out a movie every year, there's very little incentive for them to encourage people to, you know, be creative and write their own stuff. When and they, they also have just a be paying for. They, yeah, they just have a tight control over things, and I mean. Solo is proof that, like, I'll pay to see anything Star Wars, apparently. <laughs> so, except the Clone Wars movie. I never saw the Clone Wars movie that they released. The, like, the oh, the animated, animated one, one. not, I not Episode 2. No, 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 no. I sure, that's it. much better than Episode 2. I mean, it can't which... be worse. It can't yeah. be worse. So, all right, the first extended or expanded... Oh, God, I need to fix my notes because I'm going to keep saying it. It's Expanded Universe. The first Expanded Universe novel was just called... Just do an auto-find. Does that exist in podcasts where you just find, replace <laughs> with an audio file? God, that would make my life so much easier. Get rid of all the ums and ahs yeah. and, I keep, and all the scrambly noises that happen. Well, the scrambly noises happen, like, in post. They're like, a mystery. I don't, I don't know how to find them or stop them. Yeah, that, that that's going to be, like, the weird subplot of this podcast is... Yeah. Uh, what is what demon is causing these scrambly noises and will we ever discover it? I hope somebody out there is like grabbing those little moments, playing them backwards, and like there's some demon going like Make yeah, a super cut of them. Oh yeah. And then eventually we'll just release that as our final episode. It'll just be all the cuts <laughs> of our scraggly moments put together in one thing. Oh my god. Oh, that'd be unlistenable. That'd be amazing. <laughs> like more unlistenable than usual. Oh yeah. yeah way more than usual. <laughs> Okay, so the, the first Expanded Universe novel was Splinter in the Mind's Eye, which was written by Alan Dean Foster in 1978. Foster was also the one who ghostwrote the best-selling adaptation of the first movie. Uh, it's credited to George Lucas, but Foster actually wrote it. So that novel, uh, Splinter in the Mind's Eye, it was commissioned as kind of a safety net. Uh, they wanted it as kind of a blueprint for a second movie if the first movie failed and they didn't get to do what they wanted to do. Huh, so it okay. was like a backup. Um, so uh, obviously Star, Star Wars proved to be very, very successful. Did not fail. And they got it did the opposite it. of fail. It did the opposite. So this one's kind of left in a weird like canon, non-canon uh, uh, fuzz. Uh, but I mean they shot it because they it was a single location. Uh, it's all low budget. Uh, Harrison Ford hadn't signed on a, for a contract for any more movies yet. So they wrote the novel without him. Uh, and it's just about Luke and Leia fighting uh, Vader on a, a mud planet. Hmm. Uh, Sounds and, not super. Yeah. Um, I have a question before we get too much further. So speaking sure. of canon, yeah. does, is all of this expanding universe stuff non-canon now? I believe it, Most once it Disney bought it, they like wiped it all out, they right? Did, they did, yeah. yeah in the only thing that matters is the movies. Pretty much. Um, some stuff leaked in, which we'll kind of get to and we'll see. Like Some, some, parts, some parts of the Shadows of the Empire still exist in the canon as well, but... Uh, for the most part, yeah, they've rebranded everything that came before the Disney acquisition as Star Wars Legends. So if you you can still get these books, they're still available, everything's still available, but uh, it's just called Star Wars Legends now and it's not canon. Uh, and there there are people whose whole job is just to maintain the canon of this, and I kind of want that job. I mean, I'd probably get sick of it after a while, but like, I, I think that would be a great what, job. What would your if you if you were if your job was mm -hmm. canon maintainer for oh, yeah. any property? 
What property would you be most excited about maintaining the Canada? Oh, man. Okay, I think it would have to be something, like, really menial that no one cares about. Okay, I'll take the uh, the whole nine yards and its sequel, the whole ten yards, part of the Matthew Perry-verse, uh, and I'll, I'll try and see how it ties in with Fool's Rush In, and, uh, and of, of course, it'll tie into Friends occasionally, you know, but it would have to. But I think the Perry-verse is very rich and needs to be explored. I think it would have taken me a hundred years. A thousand guesses before I can I, I guess that that was what you were going to say. So. And it's not one that I mean. I yeah, should... no, I know. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right. So, um, yeah, so Splinter in the Mind's Eye, it's, yeah, it doesn't really have a place in the canon anymore. In the book, Luke and Leia are, like, way, way into each other, more than, like, <laughs> the chaste kisses that they share. That Those could be shrugged off. Those could be ignored. <laughs> They, these two actually mud wrestle in this book, <laughs> like not an exaggeration. And uh, now, do we know was the Luke and Leia brother and sister thing? Was that did George Lucas know that from the start? Oh or? no, no, no. Okay. no. He cl- he likes to claim that he did, but this novel is kind of proof that that's not the case. Okay. Um, there's a scene too that's kind of gross and sexist in this book where uh, they go into a bar and Luke has to pretend that Leia is his slave. So that uh, they'll they can blend in with all these traitors, and yeah, he right. like smacks her around a couple times, mm-hmm. like pretty gross um but yeah in this one uh, it ends with a battle against luke skywalker uh, and darth vader where luke cuts off vader's arm huh which of course in empire would be the opposite and he oh yeah spoiler alert yeah spoiler. Em- I'm, gonna, strikes I'm gonna spoil no, all of these things yeah i'm gonna spoil I just like to Amber imagine did. the strange strange person who's like oh i've been meaning to check out that star wars <laughs> thing and now it's ruined damn it even like how would you not know that at this yeah. point like yeah it's impossible so, yeah, I mean, and at the same time that uh, this book was being published, uh, Marvel launched their comic book spinoff that was a huge hit. It was like the best-selling comic book of the 70s. Uh, this now, was Marvel that spin-off. Dark Horse was involved in that, or is that no. later? Dark Horse is its own comic book publisher? Dark Horse is its own thing. They, I think they acquired the rights to Star Wars after a while, but okay. at this time, Marvel had the rights, and they were, they were uh, producing a lot of stuff. And now, of course, it's back to Marvel and Disney all being under the same uh, wheelhouse, so... Yeah, so we st- at this point, we started getting Star Wars projects from every medium. We had new toys. We had comic books. We had novels. We had TV movies. We had animated series. Yeah, and holiday of course, specials. The holiday special. Yeah, 1978. Everyone wishes that doesn't exist, including people who have watched it. Um, it's really rough. I-, I think my first exposure to Star Wars was actually one of the TV movies about the Ewoks. The Ewoks Battle for Endor, I think from 1984 or five. We had it on VHS because my parents taped it off. I can still recall all the scenes being cut in with like little advertisements for uh, McDonald's. Okay. Remember when they had the puppet McNuggets? No. Was that before your time? They had puppet well, McNuggets. Well, I, I, I did not grow up. I grew up in a place with no McDonald's. Oh, I grew that's up true. in a place yeah. where if there had been a McDonald's, the town would have started a community petition to get McDonald's ousted. That is the kind of place I grew up in. Okay. They all were right. very protective of that. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, yeah, we started getting all this different stuff uh, all throughout the 80s, but it still wasn't really canon or anything, and it was all kind of like, yeah, I mean, most of these didn't really succeed. Like, the Droids TV show failed after right. one season. The Ewoks TV show failed after one season. So, like, I don't know. And, and Star Wars has never not been popular, but I would say, like, this period towards the late 80s was when it was at its least popular. Yeah. Um and then in 1991, Timothy Zahn released Heir to the Empire, which is the first part of his acclaimed Thrawn trilogy. 
Uh, that book hit number one on the New York Times bestseller charts, and then that just led to a whole boom in Star Wars novels. And um, I, I still would say if you're going to read any of the Star Wars novels, read the Thrawn trilogy. It's really good. Uh, gets a little too heavy on like military tactics later <laughs> in it for me, but they introduce some really great characters. This is where we meet uh, uh, Luke Skywalker's future wife, Mara Jade. Who's like a total badass, great character. Uh, I think she's been expunged from the record, unfortunately. But there's there's a room to bring her back. Um, yeah, so these these ones are really great. Um, so it also made Lucasfilm see the need to establish a proper canon to try and organize all of these different properties. So uh, George Lucas was always kind of a little ambivalent about the EU, just because it didn't stem directly from anything he created. Right, and I think he's a little protective of that. But uh, he recognized how important it w- had gotten to his fan base. And since he hadn't been working on any movies for a while, that since Howard the Duck, which everyone was clamoring for, obviously, <laughs> yeah. uh, he did his best to adapt to the new canon. So in 2000, Lucasfilm would hire a guy named Leland Chi to be the head of continuity. Uh, he was basically the guy who decided what was or wasn't canon, and he helped organize all the storylines into one cohesive universe. Uh, he still runs it at Disney uh, alongside uh, Kiri Hart and Pablo Hidalgo. And I, yeah, like I said, I would love that job. I think that'd be great. I mean, um, yeah, so Chi divided the EU into, there's six different categories of the fandom here. So there's okay. G canon, which is short for George Lucas, which basically means the movies. That takes precedent over everything else. Okay. Uh, so there's so, like tiers. There's a hierarchy of canon. Exactly, there's tiers. So G is the highest. And if, if one of your pieces of fiction contradicts anything in G, then it's gone. It's okay, not canon it. anymore. Uh, there's T canon, which is anything on television, uh, the Clone Wars show, the Rebel show, stuff like that. Uh, C canon, which stands for continuity canon. So that's basically everything that's not TV or a movie. Video games, books, comic books, everything goes into C canon. Uh, S canon is secondary canon. So that's basically anything that had things contradicted by later pieces of more official canon, but still have some elements. So like the Christmas special is C- uh, S canon because they introduced Boba Fett. They introduced a couple of different things in that thing that so are canon. Boba Fett first appears in the Christmas first special? First appears in the Christmas special in the animated sequence in there. That really gross-looking animated sequence. It's so poorly animated. Uh, and, like, Splinter of the Mind's Eye would be in the same place as well because they introduced the idea of the kyber crystals that go into the uh, lightsabers. Okay. Which become a big deal later. There's D canon, which is just based on an unreleased show called Detours, which basically refers to parodies, any parodies that were done with the consent of Lucasfilm. <laughs> oh so gosh. Detours was going to be like a animate, like a just like a goofy take on Star Wars. So is, is the Family Guy Star Wars basically? In there? Yeah, I think that would qualify. And then uh, N canon or non canon refers to things like uh, Soul Calibur Four, uh, with ah. that had the Star Wars characters in it, or the What If Marvel comics. They're just straight up non canonical. Okay. Um, yeah, so as we said, in 2012, Disney acquired Lucasfilm for $4 billion. Ridiculous. I mean, I really hope if George Lucas doesn't have an actual Scrooge McDuck bank in his house. Like, I think he's wasting his life. There was a, a funny meme going around of a, a Lego picture of Lego Star Wars set that was George Lucas with $4.1 billion. Oh, my <laughs> God. That's amazing. Him and all the, all the dollar bills. <laughs> Yeah, that's so. I mean, Lucas uh, removed himself completely from any creative decisions in the franchise, and Disney, in an attempt to establish and maintain a continuity of their own, they scrapped the entire expanded universe. It's now, except for the Clone Wars movie and TV show, so everything that's not those is out the window. Uh, every EU story that came before is now Star Wars Legends, uh, but some some items have been slowly trickling back in. So there's a new series of books about Admiral Thrawn. Uh, from the Thrawn trilogy, and he's also appeared on Star Wars Rebels, so he's back in. 
Um, it's a romance novel. Yeah. It's called Throbbing Thrawn. <laughs> oh, oh, and he's all blue. Ew, yeah. ew, gross. Uh, yeah, there are also um, like elements from the EU that have bled over to the main series that become part of the canon, like Coruscant, uh, which was a big – it's like the central hub of the Republic. Right. That came from the Thrawn novels. Okay. Um, and Dash Rendar actually has a little cameo in uh, the special edition of A New Hope, or at least his ship does. We see the Outrider flying away in the background of uh, the Most Lively Cantina scene. So, I mean, we, we, we haven't even talked about Shadows of the Empire no, yet, though. No, no, so. but that's our guy. That's our guy, Dash Rendar. Um, and yeah, so I'd like to see Mara Jade come back in. But um, And as for video games, I think some of the best Star Wars titles use the EU as a basis for video games. Like um, yeah, for Knights a- of the Old Republic is one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, and for a long time, it was just the Star Wars games were just basically scenes from the movies. Yeah. Um, there's a, a great... You know, a great series of games for the Super Nintendo. Three games, each based on, you know, the original movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it took a while, I think. And, you know, they did one that were, like, TIE Fighter and things like that. Um, yeah, I think that the video games were... It's definitely an impressive uh, licensing thing where, like... I think that a lot of this Expanded Universe stuff came from the video games. And, yeah. like, some of the games were the first things to, like, use these ideas and to really explore the different weaponry and stuff like that, and to show show these stories from a different perspective. Video games uh, are a really great medium for that too, because you can kind of live in these worlds a little bit, which is great. Yeah, and um, that's all that's all you really need too. It was you know for so long it was the idea of that the licensed game is just like retelling the story of the movie, mm-hmm. but it was really cool because there was such this dry spell of movies that are like crap. How are we gonna make Star Wars games? And then they got all these different ideas of like, oh, what if you're like a Jedi Knight? At the academy, or yeah. what if you're just sort of a generic, you know, rebel commando commanding a force, and so, or you know, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, game. that game's oh. fine. Um, and so it does a really good job of just sort of putting you in these worlds and using the sound effects and graphics. And I think that it's a that's sort of in a lot of ways a better way to do licensed games because I think so. you're not gonna get when you're just playing through the story of a movie like you've already seen it all. Mm-hmm. It's kind of cool but you're just like why aren't i just watching the movie yeah yeah it's really the games that sort of really spread out in different ways that make it fun like the goal i mean goldeneye the game doesn't follow the movie all that closely i mean oh i don't know i think it's pretty close i don't know maybe i need to replay well i guess just like rewatch but the the expand like the expansion of the levels get so much bigger. Oh yeah, compared yeah. To how big they are in the movie. That's true. Yeah, they'll take but, little moments from the movie and then turn a whole level yeah. into them. Yeah, and I think some of the level, like, there's definitely some levels in their post game that are new. Like you go to an Aztec temple yeah. for some reason, and yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about Shadows of the Empire because this uh, this all ties in. Uh, Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire was released on December third, nineteen ninety six. So this is one of the very very early games. Um, I was, believe it was supposed to be a launch game for mm-hmm. the Nintendo sixty four. And they pushed it back a couple months to sort of polish things up. That's generally the story anytime something was released, like, within a month or two of the, of the N64. It's like, oh, almost, almost. Okay, just just need to... I think what happened uh, often is it took a long time for Nintendo to give out the actual hardware that oh, yeah. people were going to be working on. And so they were working on sort of systems that approximated mm-hmm. what the hardware was going to be like. Right, And then, yeah. you know, a couple months before release, they're like, okay, here's the hardware... And then they had to actually tune up the game to actually fit on there. Yeah, and oftentimes it just was not what the developers were expecting at all. I think that's a game we'll get to. Uh, Mischief Makers uh, 
they started developing a 2D game just because they didn't know what the N64 <laughs> was going to be able to do. And when they finally found out what it was going to do, they're like, eh, we'll stick with the 2D game. Yeah. This was fine. We had fun making this. Uh, all right, so uh, Shadows of the Empire released December 3rd, 1996, developed by LucasArts and published by Nintendo. It was also released on Windows the following year. So Shadows of the Empire kind of came around during the height of the mid-90s Star Wars renaissance. This is when the expanded universe was getting really big, the special editions were about to hit theaters, and there had been rumblings of the prequel trilogy uh, mm-hmm. starting to crop up. So uh, this was a pretty ambitious idea. Shadows was going to be kind of part of a huge multimedia project of toys, books, comics, games. Uh, the idea was to have all the marketing and merchandising of a movie without actually having to make a movie. So they're like, I, th- I think they just realize what a cash cow that is. So they're just like, all right, let's create an original story. Let's not make a movie. Let's just make everything else. So Shadows is set during the year between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, which was kind of a big deal for fans at the time because Lucasfilm was very strict about setting stories either during or immediately before the original trilogy right. because they wanted to have their options open when they're developing the prequel. Uh, so they don't really let them play inside the canon very often. It's usually they have to do stuff at what happens yeah, after Yeah, you're not Jedi. really seeing a lot of main... You know, in this, you're not seeing, like, a ton of main characters. No. Like, from the movies, it's sort of... They, they These characters are spoken about. Like, they talk about how Jabba's chasing... Or Darth Vader's chasing after Luke sure. or something. But, like, you don't really ever see Luke. Right, That's... yeah. I think the only... We see um, uh, IG-88 and Boba Fett in this game. Right. Uh, which are but... both actual characters, but... You know, they're just guys to shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. it definitely, uh, I mean, it took a while. I think Boba Fett kind of grew into his own. I'm yeah. sure that when it was, Boba Fett was not intended to be much of anything. And I then, still don't totally get the appeal of Boba Fett. He's got a jetpack. So does Duke Nukem. That guy's People an love Duke Nukem, though. <laughs> Except for us. I don't know. I just never really got, I, I mean, they've done some cool stuff with his backstory. But, I mean, what did he do? Okay, he shows up in Empire. He shoots a couple, he shoots at a couple people, misses, uh, makes it off, makes off with Han Solo. That's mm-hmm. like the toughest, scariest thing he did. And then during the fight on Jabba's skiff, he gets hit by a blind man by mistake <laughs> and falls into the mouth of a monster. Yeah. Like, that's all he does in the movies. So I don't understand why people got so fixated on him based on that. But hey, I'm telling you, it's it's helmet and jetpack. Okay. That's all yeah. it takes. That's fair. I mean, it seems that, yeah, yeah, I'll believe it. I'll believe it. Um, all right. So in preparation for this, I actually reread the book. Uh, it's written by Joe Perry, and it came out at the same time as the game. Uh, some of the events tie in, but uh, our main character here, Dash Rendar, is more of a side character in the book. Um, I, and I read this book when it was new, and I, I didn't really remember too much of it, so I, I reread it now. Um, so like the game, this takes place after the events of Empire. Han Solo has been frozen in carbonite and taken to Jabba the Hutt. Luke has discovered Vader as his father, and he loses an arm to him in a lightsaber duel. And then Leah, Lando, and Chewie are trying to put together a rescue plan to save Han, which is where, obviously, Return of the Jedi picks up. Uh, this book adds a new villain, a guy named Prince Zizor. That's <laughs> X-I-Z-O-R, a very Star Warsy name. Uh, he's the head of the mafia-like Black Sun Syndicate. He's kind of like a green guy. with He's bald, but he has a ponytail. Um, and he exudes pheromones that make him irresistible to women, which is a gross detail they added. <laughs> you can really feel, I feel, in this extended universe, the sort of transition between like the really clean archetypal storytelling of like the, you know, 4, 5, and 6 sure. of just like... This is a very focused story. Very Joseph Campbell here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To this sort of overly complicated, like, political, way too detailed thing that they do in the prequels of, like, knowing who runs the Senate and things like that. Right. And I feel like the extended universe probably played a big part in that. Definitely. 
Uh, this guy's Izor is like this. He kind of reminds me of uh, the Godfather video game. Did you ever play no. that? Where you're just playing as a nameless thug <laughs> who happens to be like there in the background for all the famous scenes. Like you just <laughs> never noticed him before. Like there's a scene where you put the horse head. One of your missions is to put the horse head in the bed. Oh, okay. And you're just outside the window watching him react to this, <laughs> and just like, oh, okay, he was here the whole time. So Zizor is kind of like that. He's apparently. Uh, the Emperor's, like, one of his most trusted confidants. He's, like, the second most powerful man in the universe after the Emperor. And he's gunning for Darth Vader because he wants to be the only one in Palpatine's good graces. So in the book, he puts out a hit on both Vader and Skywalker uh, to try and uh, ingratiate himself with the Emperor. And then when those fail, he kidnaps Leia and brings her back to his floating sky palace on Coruscant. And then uh, Luke and Dash Rendar need to go in and try to save her. That's the basic thrust of the book. Uh, but yeah, Dash is a smuggler friend of Lando's uh, who the gang hires to help him rescue Han. He's a pretty minor character in the book, and frankly, he's kind of the worst. <laughs> uh, so Dash Rendar is basically just Han Solo. Even in the book, they acknowledge, they describe him as having the same energy, sarca- <laughs> sarcastic demeanor, and profession. And his ship, the Outrider, looks a lot like the Millennium Falcon. It's sort Falcon. of half of a Millennium Falcon. Yeah, it's yeah, like it literally is. An, yeah. an asymmetrical Millennium Falcon, which yeah. is one side of it. Uh, I mean, I, think- I love that description of... He has the same demeanor and job as Han Solo. Yeah, they really do say that. They, can't, they The characters keep commenting about how much he reminds them of Han. And I think it's just to be like, all right, we know this super popular character isn't going to be in these books because he's frozen in carbonite, so let's put in Bobo Han Solo. Yeah. And, uh, and I think in an effort to keep him from overshadowing Han... Uh, the writer made Rendar a super dick. Like, he's just such an unlike... He's he's not cocky in, like, this roguish, charming way. He's just an asshole. Like, there's a point where uh, he's supposed to help Leah and Lando um, find Boba Fett. They have to go to this other planet. So he flies them there and just leaves. He flies them there, drops them off, leaves. They, of course, get into a gunfight, and Leah gets kidnapped, and... Uh, he Dash Rendar just goes back for his money because he's like, oh, no, I, I got them there. That's all you paid me yeah. to do. So it's like, that's a little excessive. That doesn't... He doesn't exude much personality in the game. No. So he's the main character in the Nintendo 64 game. You play mm. as him the whole time. And I don't... Does, he might talk a little bit in some of the cutscenes, but he's never really exudes much personality. So he's not likable or dislikable, except they often cut over to his little smug expression. Yeah, which I feel like is already more likable than they made him in the book. (laughs) And they pair him up with a uh, droid named Lebo, who, according to the book, has been infused with the personality of a stand-up comedian, which I think was just a blatant effort. It's like, okay, just in case this gets turned into a movie, we want Robin Williams voicing this robot, (laughs) so we better make make a character that'll fit him. Uh, but that doesn't really come across in the games or even in the book all that much. Like it so sounds like this book detail. has a lot of a lot of shorthand stuff. It does. His personality is like Han. He's infused with the uh, the droid is infused with a stand up comedian. We're not actually going to write any funny jokes or no. anything for the droid to say. We'll just just assume that he's funny. Just assume. Yeah, he's a he's a real cut up. Uh, but maybe your humor like doesn't get it because he's like a Twi'lek stand up yeah, comedian exactly. or something. Maybe I don't know. Overall, this book was pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I thought it was it was like I've read a number of Star Wars books. Um, they're mostly pretty solid. They're they're good reads. They're, they're entertaining. Good sci-fi. Uh, this one is it's pretty amateurishly amateurishly written. It's slow, uh, and I feel like it's very dramatically hamstrung by the time period. All right, because like 
there there are two books here. I think there's a book about like Prince Zizor and Dash Rendar, where like these new characters mm. that he gets to be creative and have a lot of fun with. And then there's this really boring book with the characters from the movie where they're not really allowed to do or say anything too interesting. Because they can't. It, they don't want to use any of the good ideas for, for if they want to make new movies. Exactly. Yeah. All the gears need to be turning towards the beginning of Return of the Jedi. Okay. All right. So we can't make any big sweeping discoveries about their personalities. So they kind of are just there. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think may, maybe it's unfair. To, I'm not going to criticize the writer because I think he was kind of like held yeah. down by that. But... I don't know. Uh, they don't really get to do anything interesting. But um, let's focus on the game more because I think the game is uh, way better than the book. Yeah. Like, surprisingly way better. So we focus on uh, Dash Rendor as a main character. We learn here that he was present at the Battle of Hoth. Again, he was just there all along, uh, which leads us to the game's iconic opening sequence, uh, which is where you as Dash are tasked with taking down AT-AT walkers with tow cables. So uh, so you play – yeah, you're driving around in this snow speeder. Um, for those of you who played, there's actually – I feel like these, the Battle of Hoth is probably the most frequently used set piece in these games. Um, I would say so. It's in one of the, um, I think there's an Empire Strikes Back game for the NES that has it. It's this actual snow speeder sequence is in a Super Nintendo game. There's an Atari game that's just this. Yeah. Like, it's just this sequence. That's all it it is. It's weird to think of the same sequence stretching out over, like, from Atari to Nintendo 64. It was in Rogue Squadron games. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there's at least f- probably five or six games. I'm sure it's a level in Battlefront yeah. that have this same sort that of great uh, Star Wars arcade game with the big stick. Oh, like, I love yeah, that I game. I love that game. So good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, so this this sequence was used very heavily when promoting the N64 because it's mm-hmm. like check out what our system can do. And since this is one of the early games, it's like showing lots of Mario and lots of Shadows of the Empire. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was very surprised. This holds up great. Yeah, it looks great. It's really fun. It looks Uh, great. That star and that Star Wars. This game really delivers on presentation, and that goes such a long way. And when you compare this to, you know, we played last week, uh, Duke Nukem, which just all feels so tepid and bland. Yeah, and like there's just whereas this, like, you get that Star Wars music. You get this distinct level that you you recognize right away, and it just draws you in so much better. And, and the controls, compared to Duke Nukem especially, <laughs> so intuitive. We spent so much time in both Duke Nukem games just fiddling with the controls until they were passable. <laughs> and here you don't need to think about it, which is great and really surprising for such an early like third-person shooter. Yeah, um, so in this game, I think sort of taking inspiration from... Again, I'm going to keep bringing up these Super Nintendo uh, games like uh, Super Star Wars, Super Return of the Jedi, Super Empire. Play all those games. Yeah, they're they're really fun. And part of the reason that those games are so good is because they put a lot of emphasis on, especially Return of the Jedi, on gameplay variety and different vehicle sequences. Yeah. so there's a lot of scenes where you're piloting these different vehicles, um, either like the first level you're on a speeder and sort of a three-dimensional thing, and then there's levels in Endor where you're on the bikes, um, and then the last level you're going in through the Death Star. So Shadows of the Empire sort of takes that idea and says, okay, we're going to have all this gameplay variety. And so yeah, the first level you're on Hoth in a snow speeder, and you just sort of fly around and shoot the battle droids. It mm. plays like it plays like s- not quite as good Star Fox. Yeah, um, in the yeah. o- the open range Star Fox, because um, you can't do like U turns and stuff like that. Yeah, not but, quite as polished, but but uh, still almost as good. 
Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I, I feel like you really hit the nail on the head with that. I think the best compliment I can give this game is that it feels like the natural extension of that Super NES trilogy, yeah. which is one of the best Star Wars trilogy games. And uh, this feels like an extension of that. Obviously, we don't have lightsabers in this, uh, right. but that I didn't miss them necessarily. No, I think lightsabers are, don't would not have worked very well in this game because no. um, it's... Yeah, so the majority of this game, this game only has about 10 levels, mm-hmm. which is kind of a bummer. I don't think there's a ton of game here. We played on easy, mm-hmm. and we cruised through about four levels in an hour. Yeah, we, um, we got up through uh, the IG-88 fight in the uh, uh, junkyard. Yeah, there's a uh, large train level. Yeah. Um, and so I think if you were to keep playing on easy, you know, you would probably clear this game in three hours. Probably, um, yeah. Which is fine. I mean, I'm not saying that is a bad thing. I also really appreciated that the easy mode was easy. It was. I, I have played this game. I've played through this game before, I think, on just normal mode. And this game is quite difficult. Yeah. It has the problem that a lot of third-person shooters do, especially ones that are very reliant. Yeah, so a general problem, I think, with N64 shooters is since you only have one stick... Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to shoot enemies without them shooting you as well because you're just sort of relying on auto-aim. Yeah. Uh, and there's a strafe option here, but that doesn't necessarily solve your problem of shooting the other guy. You yeah. can get out of the way, but you can't necessarily shoot the other guy yet. Exactly. And so it's just kind of... A lot of this is just kind of attrition. You sort of run out and blast the fi- hammer on the fire button until they die, and you're going to take, you know, 10 points of damage. And you take significantly less damage on easy mode, Yeah, which is good. And I... Yeah, this game has frust- some frustrating levels. As you get farther, I remember this is a game I was stuck on, I think, like level nine mm. for literally years because I just stopped <laughs> playing the game. Okay. And then I came back to it years later. I'm like, I'll try and finish this. And then I sort of powered through. Um, and you have you have actually beaten I have game? actually okay, beaten cool, it, cool, yeah. cool. Um, and I think there's... So yeah, the majority of levels in this game are sort of a third-person... Um, shooter where mm-hmm. you just play as dash and run around in these different areas with your blaster um dash he looks good i think um he does i think he takes up a little bit too much of the screen at first yeah. but this game is very generous with camera angles it is uh which is great so you could with a touch of a button you can go to a first person perspective which mm-hmm. you can stay in the entire game yep and that's a real real lifesaver in the flying sequences uh uh, or you can go to a cinematic mode, which I can't imagine anyone would want to play that. No, you're like looking from the front or the side and your controls get all reversed. It's, it's kind of like bizarre. It's Resident Evil mode, basically. Like it's almost like tank controls all of a sudden. So I wouldn't recommend That would recommend be a very it. weird challenge to like a YouTube challenge to make someone. Or one of those like gaming marathon things where they like play oh, games yeah. for charities to be like, okay, play through Shadows of the Empire with this camera the whole time. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that would be rough. And then there's like a bird's eye view too that you yeah, can go over Which also head. seems pretty useless. Again, yeah, you wouldn't necessarily want to unless it's like Star Wars Grand Theft Auto, which, oh my God, that needs to exist. Yeah, that is oh kind of weird. Oh my God, why doesn't it exist? Um, oh, just super open, open EA Star Wars on Coruscant. It. Yeah. Douchebags. Um, <laughs> anyway. And the, also the auto aim is super generous. It is. Which, which is. which is nice. You just kind of have to look at an enemy and Dash will sort of take a second. You, you almost always miss your first shot, it seems like, but then he'll figure it out and... Actually shoot but you guy. miss 100% of the shots you don't take. That's right. That's the important thing to remember here. Uh, so uh, this, this game also gets around, like, 
the tedium of kind of running and gunning by uh, your your blaster is limited. Your blaster has limited shots and it recharges. It recharges pretty quickly, but it also means you can't just like run in and jam on the B button forever until everyone's dead. And you need I to believe pace yourself out. that that setting it starts with a hundred at the bottom, and as you press it, that number goes down. I believe it deals more damage when the number is higher. Yeah, so yeah. Mm-hmm. You're, you're encouraged to sort of space out your shots. A yeah, bit. so it's like slow, steady shots. I think it's the best way to go. Uh, you can find little additions to put on your gun, like uh, heat-seeking missiles, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure if this is actually what was happening if you were just missing. But when you were fighting IG-88, you, you fired all five of your Seekers at him at once, and they all missed. And I wonder if it's because he's inorganic. I, I think it's true, because the the first boss is uh, you actually fight an ATST like on your feet in a, a hangar at Hoth, and mm-hmm. the Seekers don't find them either. Yeah, But yeah. they do find uh, Stormtroopers. So yeah, very I, easily. They curve around, and yeah. Yeah, they, so it deals a lot of damage, but you actually have to aim well for yeah. that on the boss, which can... Gonna be tricky because the the seekers are not as nice on the auto aim. Not so much, not so much. But it's that's just a nice little detail. I mean, even if it's making the game harder, it's still like they put some thought into this. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, and you you can also jump since it's a third person game. It's not really a platformer too much. Um, I do think that some of the later levels start having a few more bottomless pits that you have to jump over. Yeah, your jump is very floaty, which can mostly be okay. And very, once, uh, I think, level four, once you be level four, you get a jetpack because you fight Boba Fett and you take his jetpack. Ooh, nice. And um, that's actually really fun. It's a really good jetpack mechanic of um, you can jump and while you're in the air, you just press A again and you'll sort of keep thrusting up and then there's fuel to use for it as well. Yeah. Um, it, it works really well. I You know, the we were talking about the train se- I mean... This game has a really good variety, like we were talking about. Really good variety of gameplay. You start on Hoth, then you go into the third-person action sequence, and then there's you're a boss to, battle. Yeah, you're trying to escape the Hoth base. Right. And, and then you could do another like outer space battle where you're in the Outrider, and that's where first-person will uh, really save your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're fighting quite a few TIE fighters, but it's fun. And uh, then you go to like this very brown-looking train level. Junkyard level, yeah. It's like a junkyard planet, and you're on a bunch of trains, and you're trying to jump from one to the other. And Which is always a cool sequence in games. I'm a big fan of train sequences. They're <laughs> always they're always fun. I mean, you know, I, I really like the one in Uncharted, too. Yeah. Oh, that, well, that was, was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. It's Sunset great. Riders has a really good one to name a oh, obscure random game. Yeah. Oh, also, man. Uh, Ninja Gaiden 2. These are these are train sequences that come to my mind. Revenge of Shinobi had a good one also. Okay, you fight at the end of that. You fight Batman until he turns into Spider Man. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, Revenge <laughs> of Shinobi is a great game. <laughs> it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, so there's a really good variety. I think that that platforming level we were talking about was going on too long. Yeah, it wasn't like maddeningly frustrating or anything. No. Controls are responsive. The jumping works. And if you get hit by something, it's not like you're going off into nothingness. No, it you just take you some off. damage. Yeah, uh, it is possible to miss your jumps and fall, but uh, that that didn't happen too often. Yeah, I think that when this game is easy, and because we're playing on easy, it goes through, it goes down pretty smooth. I think if we were to die a lot, it would be hard to be enthusiastic to keep playing mm-hmm. because um, some of the levels are kind of long and can be kind of frustrating, especially since it's hard to prevent guys from shooting you. Yeah. Um, and I do think that as we go on, as you go on, if you play on normal, this game does suffer from that, of getting a little too hard and frustrating. Yeah. Um, but in our in our playthroughs, that never came up as an issue. 
I love the there's a lot of little details that they threw in here too, like uh when you're running through the Hoth base and the ground starts splintering beneath yeah, you and you have fun. to you have to jump from section to section. Like, I don't know, that's just cool. That's cool that they thought. Yeah, this to put game that in really there. works to be uh you know, works to be cinematic and yeah. it has uh the cutscenes here are um you know, because it's an N sixty four game, there's no there's no voice acting. It came out very early. I mean, there's a little bit of voice acting of the stormtroopers being like blast them, which I think was taken right from. Uh, I think the sound effects of you shooting guys are taken right from the movie. Oh, I it wouldn't doubt has it at all. Yeah. yeah, the famous <gasps> Ben Burt sound effects. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so the cutscenes they look like comic books mm-hmm. um, in the sense that it'll sort of. Uh, show a frame of a character with some dialogue under, and then when you press the button, a new character will kind of pan into the frame, or the um, frame will pan over yeah. to show someone else. And it actually, the art, it works quite well. It works very well. Uh, it reminded me a little bit of, uh, you ever play Snatcher? Sega CD, the uh, yes. Kojima game? It's yes. kind of like that. And uh, I think it's absolutely the right way to go, uh, because, like, I don't know, you... I, I feel like those cutscenes illustrate that the developers of this game understood the Nintendo 64 better than most any other developers before <laughs> or since. They really understand the limitations and the strengths of this system. So they're not going to try and jam yeah, a bunch of voice look acting. Like, and it doesn't look like Spider-Man. So like the Spider-Man game had essentially clips from the PlayStation cutscenes right. done as stills. So you were like, gee... It just seems like I'm getting an inferior version of that. Exactly. Whereas this feels like a conscious choice, its own thing. It's not masking its limitations. Yeah, it's like painted. It's like hand-painted yeah. artwork. You know, And you get like the CGI model of the Outrider flying through it sometimes. Which looks just pretty so good. Know. It looks good. Yeah, yeah it looks good. Uh, yeah, and I think that's just a really good illustration of they, they understood the system. They got it, and they programmed it for what the system can do and not for what they want it to do. And the music quality in this game is also quite good. Yeah. Um, it's... I mean, it's that's great Star Wars sounds and um, music that is just so wonderful. I mean, oh, I'm yeah, yeah I, I'm not like the hugest Star Wars fan, but that music when when it's, it goes, it's just it's very exciting and it just feels epic. It's amazing that like after all these years, that's that can still get like the blood rushing. You know, it's just yeah. it's just a real testament to to what John Williams created with that. It, it still works, and I think that you know they're not like. They definitely loop noticeably, oh, sure. um, but it never bothered me. No, no, not terribly. And uh, they, this has a nice mix of original tracks from the movies, and then there was a new soundtrack album released as part of this multimedia project for everything, so it has tracks from there as well. Uh, and it, it all sounds pretty good. The, the fog was never a huge problem. It's present, but it's not distracting or obstructing. Like, it, it's, it makes sense in the context. Like... It would make sense for a, a garbage planet to be kind of polluted. <laughs> have looking. a bunch of brown fog around. Sure, yeah. it makes sense. It's or a snow planet to be covered in white fog. Yeah, makes sense. Not a problem for me. Um, yeah, I don't know much else to say about this game other than it is the seventeenth best-selling game on the N sixty four, right in between Mario Party above and Pokemon Stadium two below. That's about two point six million units. So. Uh, not too shabby. I mean, it is an early game, so it was one of the it was one of the five games you could get for the system at the time. But uh, but it, I don't think still... you would have regretted it. No, um, no. And it they do a good job for there only being ten levels. Um, they have these challenge points in all of them, oh, yeah, which the you can points, sort yeah. of run around and grab. Um, they're in these hidden locations. Um, if you get all of them in the game, you get like some special power ability to transform into a Tie Fighter. 
not yeah. not Dash Rendar transforms. Which into a I, that's what I thought. Like we meant at first when yeah. we were looking at, it's like, wait, you get to turn the guy into a plane? Like, which like, would be kind of cool. That'd be that would be cool. Uh, uh, and so, and there's also a lot of difficulty levels. I believe there's easy, normal, hard, and Jedi. Yeah. And honestly, playing this game on Jedi sounds like kind of a nightmare. But um, Jedi with the cinematic camera angles. That's yeah. what We'll do for charity. Yeah, just, we'll play that. Um, but it, it definitely like you could tell that there's effort to try and go above and beyond and making this yeah. a worthwhile game. I I was really very I came in with pretty low expectations because everything I'd read about this was that it was kind of a disappointment at the time. Like people were like, oh, it's fine," or and kind of shrugged it off. But obviously, people listening to the show really have a lot of affinity for it because they voted for it. They yeah. wanted to hear us talk about it sooner. I feel like it's the whoever voted for the Star Wars Racer one because that was what won the last poll. That's someone's true. Just, yeah. Someone's just flooding the poll. Someone's real into Star Wars. George Lucas is a huge fan of our podcast. <laughs> That'd be amazing, actually. Uh, I apologize if I said anything mean about you. I probably <laughs> did. I really did not like Phantom Menace. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, uh, from here, I mean, Lucasfilm would try once more with like this big multimedia cross-promotional project with uh, The Force Unleashed in 2008. So that was a movie and a, uh, or that was a, a game and a book and a bunch of toys and stuff like that. Uh, I played that game. It's okay. It's uh, it's probably a comp. There's definitely, there's probably like... A very small group of, like, very bad Star Wars games. A very large group of, like, okay Star Wars games sure. that I think this one falls pretty comfortably in. I think it's it's in the okay closer to good, but mm-hmm. it's, like, a little buggy. Uh, I think what saves it is it's, it's a really cool story, and it's really... Uh, it's We're talking re- about Force, Force, Force Unleashed. Force Unleashed. Okay. It's yeah. a really cool story, and it's really well acted, okay. uh, which is something that stood out to me at the time. You play as... A guy named Starkiller, who is uh, Darth Vader's heretofore unmentioned apprentice. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you get to go around the game just killing people, and you have all the dark powers of the Force at your disposal. That is one thing that's a shame that isn't in mm. Shadows of the Empire at all, is there's no No Force. force Yeah, no no Force elements at all, no real mystical elements at all. So, yeah, you're missing that. And there is kind of, I do remember about this game, another bummer, is the last few levels are kind of like sewer and like metallic palace oh yeah um it so it becomes pretty gray and bland um i don't think there's no like forest level or anything which would have been nice yeah games fall into that trap a little too often especially in this era it's like Mm -hmm. let's just end our game on a spaceship that looks like any other spaceship yeah uh which is kind of kind of a bummer but yeah uh as far as the future of star wars games go uh it's kind of it's kind of in a weird place right now. EA has the rights to publish all Star Wars games, and they haven't been doing the best <laughs> job with it. They've had uh, a lot of high-profile projects have been canceled after, like, years of development, and um, the the Battlefront games have been catching a lot of flack. I haven't played them. I, I've played the Battlefront games on Xbox, right. uh, the first Xbox, and those were a lot of fun. These ones are very, very reliant on loot boxes. Right. Uh, for the uninitiated loot boxes are literally boxes of uh, loot that you pay real money for. And uh, one of the controversies here was that these games were giving you XP for those. Like, not just, like, new armor, new weapons. They were giving you XP so you could level up your character. Right. So it's essentially like people are able to pay real money to have in-game advantage. Right. It's, you know, that's sort of a common discussion now because there's so many of these arena shooters and games that go in these free-to-play models. And it's like... Most of them are just like you can pay money, but the only things you get are sort of these cosmetic advantages or costumes or mix things up like that. Whereas I, this game, you know, in the Battlefront games, you could actually unlock like more power. Like you get to play as Darth Vader by yeah. unlocking him, and he's obviously pretty sweet. Sure. But um, 
They're like, you know, they backed it up. They're like, oh, you can unlock him through regular gameplay. And I believe someone did the math and it would take like 800 hours of gameplay right. in order to accrue enough to actually or unlock him. Or just spend it. 50 bucks now or yeah. something. And this, this isn't even like the free-to-play model. This was a $60 game at retail that you paid full price for and then you kept paying. So, yeah, people didn't really take kindly to that. And there, there's even some discussion, like some legal discussion about whether or not this constitutes gambling. Well, yeah, because the it's, idea of a Lugok sometime is you pay, I don't know how, I, I stayed away from this. Yeah, but you, you pay, a, you know, probably not that much probably but like for a loot bucks. box, yeah. and then, but you don't know what's going to be in it. Right, and you so, don't know. Yeah, so it could be something amazing, some godlike level weapon, or it could just be, you know, a tribble. Triples are in Star Wars. Yeah, right? totally, yeah, totally. The, yeah, they all cross over. It, it, Somebody's head explodes. Yeah, you out unlock there. Captain Kirk. Yeah. So it, it very well may be gambling. We don't know. Um, yeah, and it was definitely like the general populace was not happy about that for EA. No. Um, and then the first game didn't have a story mode at all, which people didn't like. Like, and there was a story mode put in in part two, but apparently it wasn't very good. So just, I don't know. Just random, <laughs> random aside, Curio. Um, I was, I had a bunch of like a long time ago. I was like, what would happen if I tried investing? So I invested like a couple hundred bucks in EA because that was a company that I was familiar with at the yeah. time. Um, and I, it was sort of right when I was playing a lot of games by them that I really liked. Um, and then finally I'm like, hey, I wonder what's going on with that. And then it had gone up significantly because all one's investments go up. But I'm like, oh, they're getting all this flack for Star Wars and like they're about to report their earnings and like everyone's pissed at them and stuff like that. And so I like sold a bunch of it and then it went up anyway. Oh no. So my point is, I'm not complaining about investing. My point is your complaints on the internet have no impact on the company yeah yeah and they generally don't care <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's what i have learned as long as people are still buying these loot boxes no one cares how much you complain which people do yeah people do and i mean i admit i've fallen into that trap yeah. before with like free-to-play games like i've done like i had that simpsons tapped out game and i put money into that and then i got real embarrassed that i did because literally you're just paying for references yeah like oh okay i'm gonna i'm gonna pay to buy the heavenly hills mall and put it over here and but it's uh, a, it, now it's it does a nothing. bad feeling in games Games, especially ones that are like online competitive to see people running around with these cooler characters and having more abilities and you're like gee that person must be having more fun than i am right and you don't you want to be having the best experience that you can with a game sure and so i can't fault anyone for being like i want to play with darth vader absolutely like, and, why wouldn't you yeah and so that and you know he should be an unlockable like that's fine you want something to work towards but he should be a very reasonable and attainable unlockable absolutely <laughs> like, Play through the single mode, player mode to unlock him. Or something reasonable. Yeah. Or like, yeah, I don't know. Or pay ten. Yeah, you play through the single player mode or pay ten bucks. It's, like, it's not. It's just a model that I think EA is being kind of rightly criticized for because yeah. they're they're very much they have all these AAA franchises that they own. They own the NFL. They own Call of Duty. They own all these. Different, they're not Call of Duty. That's Activision. Right. Never mind. But they have all these huge huge properties, and they're just it just feels like they're gouging you all the time. It's like here, pay us more for the honor of playing our games. Right. Um, anyway, that's enough of an EA rant. Let's move on to our rankings. Uh, we Each week we rank the games that we've played. We add them to our ongoing list. Oh, God, what are we up to right now? We're up to over 120, uh, like 122 I think we're at right now, which nice. is nuts. Um, I'll start with okay. this one, I think. Sure. Uh, this game really surprised me in a very positive way. I, I really had a good time with it. Yeah. It's it's responsive. It's uh, it's nice to look at and listen to. They make a lot of very smart decisions that kind of allay frustrations that that kind of sidetrack other lesser games that are like this. Yeah. 
and um, it's a it's a nice little slice of the Star Wars expanded universe. Um, so I'm I'm ranking this pretty high. This is going to be my new number ten. Holy game. smokes! It's, it's in the top ten. It's going right below Quake Two and right above Mario Tennis. Uh, yeah, Star Wars: Shadows of the Empire. This one took me by surprise. Uh, I don't think it qualifies as a cult hit because it's a bestseller and yeah. it was the most requested episode we listened to today. Yeah. But uh, for me, this one I did not see it coming. I didn't. I didn't expect to yeah. like it this much. I guess just those of you who voted for this, wondering if it held up or not. I think that the consensus, at least between us two, is in that yes, it it holds up. Totally you, holds you up. You were right to enjoy this game. You were, and feel free to keep doing so. It's fun to play through again. We'll tell you um, when you're wrong. Yeah, we yeah. we certainly will. Um. I am also putting this high. I think that this game is good. Um, I'm not putting it as high as you. As someone who has played through this, I think it does get worse as it goes along. Okay, that's um, fair. Because the levels just get kind of bland, and you just get kind of sick of that third-person gameplay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like I said, this is not a game that really benefits a lot from being challenging. Sure. Because um, you never feel like you have quite enough control, and it get frustrating. Um, but so I'm going to put it at number 26. Okay. Um, which is right below Pokemon Snap. Um, okay. And right above Ogre Battle. Nice. Okay. Um, that's a good. That's good company to keep. I yeah, think. definitely. Those are all. Those are all polished, enjoyable games. Absolutely. Um, that I think would make a fun afternoon playthrough. Definitely. And I think if you, yeah, if you got, if you have Star Wars obsessed and you have friends who also enjoy Star Wars and you want to check out something different, you know, play through this one in the afternoon. Absolutely. Well, I think that about wraps it up for Star Wars Shadows of the Empire. Thank you to everybody who cast their vote and uh, uh, made us play this. Um, I'm glad I got a chance to play it a little early. I really liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, yeah, I mean, that's that's exciting. That's 75 episodes down. Hooray! I, I mean, I don't know where the time went. I don't know. <laughs> it probably went into this computer as we record yeah. stuff every week. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, we got a lot to look forward to in the next 25. There's still ton, tons of still huge games tons. for the N64. A couple of previews. We're going to meet Zelda for the first time. Ooh. We're going to meet Mario Kart for the first time. We're going to do... Hello, Mario Kart. Vroom, vroom. We're going to meet football for the last time. Oh, oh, you're, you're probably so most excited, excited about so that. So excited. Yeah. Uh, and uh, who knows what else is going to crop up. Lots of weird stuff. Uh, I know next week, speaking of crop up, oh. we're going to be playing Harvest Moon 64, which has also been very highly requested by people. Uh, and personally, I can't wait. I, yeah. I love me some farming simulators. Uh, nothing, nothing more relaxing. Uh, as somebody who's sunk a hundred hours into Stardew Valley without even realizing it, uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Excellent. So tune in next week for some Harvest Moon 64. In the meantime, it's a trap. Set your blasters to fun. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs>